This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Good Thursday morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for December the 14th, episode 1834. This episode is brought to you by Horseware at horseware.com. Unfortunately, Mary is sick today. She is usually here on the second Thursday of every month with her training tips, but she is sick today. She can barely talk, so she was not able to do the show here at the last minute. So we're going to bring you a replay of one that she did in July of 2016. Uh, In this episode, she speaks with Louisa Williams from Horseware on Ice Vibe Technology. She also talks to uh, Kyla Hogan of Mustang Heritage Foundation and also takes questions about training donkeys and stopping the bolting horse. All of that coming up on today's show, and I'm sure she'll be back healthy as ever next month, and we wish her well. Get get well soon, Mary. Christmas is coming. You have to get better soon. All right, everybody, we'll be back tomorrow with really bad ads here on Horses in the Morning, so we hope you enjoy this best of episode. Get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. That's right. Mary is here. She's on the phone in her living quarters trailer because the internet crapped out about one minute before the show was supposed to start we weren't panicking or anything everything was totally fine <laughs> um. <laughs> that's why we always have a phone handy where are you what godforsaken place are you in now um i am in sedalia missouri um i there's well, a couple pretty, things actually. going on it was and um it was a little bit of a bumpy ride um in parts of missouri or all of missouri the hilly parts uh, you'll go up this hill. It's like a roller coaster. You'll go up this hill, and you can't see the road ahead of you, and it's a straight drop, and you don't know if the road is going to curve left or right. So I got that feeling when, you know, when you're clicking, click, click, click on the top of a roller coaster before the drop, uh-huh. and my heart would just sink. And so we've got that and a horse trailer. And then we got out of the hills, and finally, uh, my mom and I were driving. We got on this nice open highway, and then this torrential, tornadic-looking storm hit with 60-mile-an-hour winds. And um, so that was our last 10 minutes of the trip. But then we made it, so it was all good. Okay, and, and you didn't get blown off the road. All's good? We did not. And, and I have to tell you, my mom is tornado-phobic, so if there's a drop of rain in the sky, she's She's freaking out a little bit, and um, something I didn't tell her, and I still haven't told her, I was looking at the weather, and, you know, it was just saying severe storm, and we're we're just trying to make it in the last 10 miles, and I looked over to my right, and on a metal building, the uh, tin roof was blowing off a little bit. I just didn't say that. I just <laughs> was like, let's just keep going forward now. <laughs> it's kind of hard when you're driving your truck and trailer to hit the storm shelter, because there really isn't one. And this is not the only time we've been caught in open road as a tornado's dropping down from the sky. This didn't produce any, it wasn't going to produce any tornadoes, but we've been in Oklahoma where we saw a funnel drop down in front of us. And there, what do you do? I mean, um, with you a were trailer, a storm chaser. Yes, on accident. Wow. We had a, we actually had a cop. We noticed everyone got off the freeway and we were the only ones on there. And we saw this kind of, cloud that was sort of dipping down a little bit and we're like is that a funnel cloud nah not a funnel cloud and it looks really close so i thought if we just keep going and get past it it'll be okay but it was like one of those deals where it was always ahead of us and so i'm desperately trying to look at weather reports and see if we've gotten any warnings and all of a sudden this thing is very clearly dropping down to the ground and this cop with his license comes up beside us pulls out in front of us and stops in the middle of the freeway with his lights going. We're the, it's just us and our horse trailer and this cop. And we pull up beside him and we're like looking at him like, what do we do? And he just starts gesturing, go, go, go. And um, so we made it. And it did touch down for exactly one second. It was a tornado. It did pop up on the radar as a tornado for one second. But then all was well. So 
we survived. Wow. The excitement yeah. that you have. Well, what are, you, what are you doing at the show? What, what show is this, and what are you doing there this weekend? So this is um, an Extreme Mustang makeover, but it is also a uh, an expo where they're promoting Mustangs in general. Uh, it's called America's Mustang Celebration. And I'm here uh, today and tomorrow doing some training demos. Um, I've got a young horse that I'm going to show people how to start Liberty. Do you have a Mustang? Uh, is it your Mustang with you? Yes, he's one of my Mustangs. Yep. Yeah. So. Um, and which one do you have along? This is the this is a young horse that I adopted. I had a youth client last year that showed in the makeover in the youth division. He got reserve champion. Um, so this horse has had a lot of groundwork. Helped him um, helped him put some good groundwork on the horse, um, and the horse is ready to kind of start doing a little bit of liberty. Um, and so he's just turned three. I just pulled him right off the pasture. Uh, so he's going to make a lot of you know he's going to make some mistakes, and I get to walk people through how you would start that. And so it's, it's horsemanship, it's groundwork, it's, it's how to work toward liberty. And it's also uh, just give people ideas of what you can do with your horse. If like this guy, I'm not quite ready to start him yet. You know, he can grow up a little bit more, um, but you know, he's already got a lot of groundwork on. So what do I do to keep his mind engaged leading up to actually getting on him and riding him? Terrific. Well, Jennifer's going to tell us what's coming up on the rest of the show, and then we'll dive in. On today's Training with Mary Kitzmiller, brought to you by Horseware, we will chat about recharging your competitive spirit, recharging your horse's legs, and how the Mustang Heritage Foundation is charging forward with the America's Mustang events. And, of course, Mary will weigh in on your submitted training questions. So stay tuned for the fray, folks. Well, thank you very much, Jennifer. Well, we're going to dive in uh, to the deep end with Mary's training tip this month. And what are we talking about? Um, well, this is about um, something that we all learn growing up, uh, training horses and in other parts of life, too. And that's ending on a good note. And I was thinking about this the other day, having a conversation with someone about their horse. And I realized I think a lot of people have come to misinterpret what ending your training session on a good note means, especially if that training session is not going very well. Um, So uh, what it meant to me for a long time is if I'm working on something and it's not going quite as I expected, um, that I would, I couldn't get off and finish the ride until I, I got a win, until I got the horse to do the thing I wanted, even, even if it was a little bit. Well, you guys have probably, probably, um, all been there where you're working on something. Maybe it's something your horse already knows. Say I'm working on lead changes. And for some reason, every time I ask for a lead change, my horse kicks up. So I keep working on it because I don't want him to kick up in a lead change. And then I ask harder and then he kicks up more. And then pretty soon, we didn't mean to get here, but we're in an all-in-out head-to-head battle of you don't kick up, uh, I don't want him to kick up, he doesn't want to work on lead changes. And it becomes sort of a, well, who's going to win here? Um, and the problem, especially if you're working on a really high-energy maneuver like that, is the more I drill him, the more cantankerous he's going to get, and then he's going to get tired to where he physically can't give me a good lead change. And so, um, but it's very easy to sort of go, get, go down that path and get really stubborn of, no, I asked for this, you should give it to me. Um, and I think in my mind, what I learned is even if I did get a good lead change that day, That wasn't ending on a good note because I've got, I'm frustrated and mad and my horse is tired and mad. And I mean, that's not ending on a good note. And now hates lead changes. (laughs) Who does? Now the horse hates lead changes. Oh, yes, yes, exactly. Now, every time you ask for a lead change, he's going to remember that day and remember how hard it was and how, how hard he had to work. And, um, and yeah, he's not, he's going to be a little resentful about it. Um, so sometimes ending on a good note doesn't mean winning. It's not a win or lose battle type of deal. Sometimes it means, all right, you know what? I really wanted to work on this today. It's not going down the way I planned. Um, before we go down a bad path, let's just stop and let's find something that we can both win at. So maybe I need to just stop my horse for a bit, let him air up, 
both of us regroup. I take a breath. He takes a breath. Okay, let's go work on something we can win. Well, why don't we go across this little bridge over here I have set up? Because that's easy. You enjoy doing it. Um, I enjoy doing it. It's low energy. It's not going to tucker you out. Let's work on that and make the best thing that we can. And then I'm going to put you away. I'm going to think about it all night and how I can come out tomorrow and help you with these lead changes. And I tell you what, when I've done that, when I finally, you know, just kind of stops that cycle of going at each other, trying to get something figured out, um, then, and, and, you know, I'll put my horse up. I didn't get the lead change I wanted. I'll, I'll be thinking about it all night. How can I help my horse figure it out? Um, I tell you what, nine times out of 10, I come back the next day. I ask for it when the horse is fresh. We've both had a night to think about it, and it's perfect. It's like I, I, I never had a problem with it. So the key, the key is don't get halfway there and say, okay, I, I'm going to, you know, he figured this half out, I'm going to leave on a positive. You're saying, uh, because that, that's not necessarily accomplishing anything either because they haven't accomplished what you, what you set out to do. They've only, they've only half-heartedly or half accomplished it. You're saying switch gears, do something completely different, and end on that. Yeah, and, and what I'm what I'm trying to get at is if you feel the ride going down that path to where, you know, it started out okay and you wanted to get it just a little bit better, but what's happening is it's getting worse and now your horse is getting a little tired and he's getting a little cranky about it. You never want to get into a fight. You will never win that fight. Physically, you can't win that fight. And even if you do quote unquote win and you get your horse to do the thing you wanted. It took a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get there. And it shouldn't be like that. It should just kind of happen. And so, so if you feel yourself kind of going down that path of, Oh, okay, we're going to start throwing punches at each other. Cause it's just not working. Change direction, do something else, find something you can work on that you can win at. So, uh, maybe not going over a bridge, but you know, you know what? I think maybe the reason your lead changes aren't working, I don't think I have good hip control. Why don't we just tone it down, go back to the beginning? Let's just work on pushing your hips over. Get that really good. Get that soft. Get that relaxed. Let your horse work on that. Um, and then come back and try again tomorrow. So, um, that doesn't, so just because I didn't get the lead change I had in my head when I, when I put my foot in the strip, that doesn't mean that I didn't end on a good note. That doesn't mean that I didn't, uh, when, um, and even if you're not as advanced as to the point of working on lead changes, sometimes you'll get on a young colt and things are not going well and you feel unsafe and you're, you're, you've got a voice saying, get off, get off the horse. Um, you know, that's your survival instinct telling you that you need to take care of yourself. And that doesn't mean you've let the horse win. Um, when you get off, work on some groundwork and then try again tomorrow. Very good. Good point. Thank you for that, Mary. Appreciate it. Well, our title sponsor for this episode, training episode with Mary Kitzmiller every month is Horseware. And we're lucky enough to have Louisa joining us right now from Ireland. And we're going to talk about one of their terrific products. That's it's very appropriate for this time of year and for the competition season. Good morning, Louisa. Good morning. Thank you. you. Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, you had told me you were from New Zealand and you live in Ireland, so I can't wait to hear the accent. Well, I hope it doesn't let you down. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know if it was going to be a combination of the two or what. Now, you told me that... Not you, yet. Not yet. <laughs> you were involved in the thoroughbred industry. Was that in New Zealand growing up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, when I was at school, um, the thoroughbred yearling sales were always on during the school holidays. So from the age of sort of 13, I started picking up stud work and um, doing the sales in my school holidays. And then when I was able to drive, which in New Zealand is sort of 16, it's a pretty good system. Um, I was riding at the track before school. So school holidays was stud work and before school was uh, riding work. So it was it was pretty full on. But I was eventing up until then. I was riding since I was three. My mother was a BHS instructor, so um, it was horses, 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 you know. Wow, a venter and catch riding at the track. You were a brave girl. It was very busy. It was very busy. I remember that. And I, sometimes I'd get to school, and if the car park was full, I'd just drive home because I was done. I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> so now, how did you end up in Ireland because of the horseware job? 
Uh, no, I actually ended up in Ireland because of um, Cornwall studs. So from I got a um, scholarship when I finished school to do uh, equine agricultural course at a college in Australia, Marcus Oldham, and that was sponsored by the thoroughbred industry in New Zealand. And part of that scholarship was when I finished that, um, I had to I went and worked for some of the sponsors. And the managers were over from Cornwall Stud in Ireland in Australia at the time. I was doing the Sydney sales, and they offered me a job at Cornwall. And I was 20 at the time, so I thought, Ireland for six months, that'd be great. Doesn't get any better than that. So I came over to Ireland to work for John Magna at Cornwall Stud, and um, I loved it. And, of course, it's it's so horsey here, and loved the, the, the level of the thoroughbred and everything that was going with it, and um, just sort of never really got back, and that was 20 years ago. Oh, wow. That's terrific. And now you're with Horseware, one of our terrific sponsors. And we're today, we're going to talk a little bit about Ice Vibe and the different Ice Vibe products, what they do. Now, you know, Mary's uh, a trainer and also been a competitor for many, many years. So, so now the first question, let's explain Ice Vibe and then we'll kind of talk about who they're targeted for, who, who should use them. Right. Well, a, a little bit of background of that, of my background and the boots background was from uh, from the Coolmore. I went into racing for Aidan O'Brien and then onto other trainers and National Hunt. And what was always frustrating me so much was the scrap heap of thoroughbreds with tendon injuries, shin problems, um, the pain they were suffering and watching them pull out stiff in the morning and the fact that there was never enough time to do anything about it. And everything that we had on hand to help them seemed to be about getting rid of symptom. It's always symptom control, using ice, using clays, trying to make their legs feel tight and cold. So as a rider, we would go, his legs are fine, I can ride him. And I was thinking, this is all a bit crazy and we need something to actually promote some healing. These horses that are naturally bred to be out in the wild and on the move are standing in stables for 23 out of 24 hours a day. So with that in mind, I went about trying to develop something that wasn't just about controlling inflammation, that was actually about stimulating healing and keeping these horses going and giving them another career and having something to rehabilitate them with tendon injuries. So the Ice Vibe Boot was designed for that purpose and it combines the two things. So what I didn't want to do was have something that made the legs too cold, which ice does, and it is good at reducing inflammation, but with that, it also compromises healing. So I started combining massage and cold together, and we ran studies and, and spent three years working with this and discovered that actually by using the massage and cold, you cooled the leg, you didn't freeze it, you maintained a level of blood flow, and because of the movement from the massage, you actually stimulated healing. So originally, it was designed for tendon injuries and shin problems, but we found that by using it, how good the legs actually felt and how much better they would move, that actually here's a product that we can now use uh, daily to repair wear and tear so that you don't get to the stage where you have a tendon. So it was started off as a rehabilitation product and then moved into a, you know, let's think about this and let's let's prevent that actually happening. And, and that's what the Ice Vibe is all about. It was a very new concept. It was quite a hard concept to get across to people because most of us just knew about ice, ice, ice. Um, and I'm always delighted now when even the the sports industry with the you know the human athletes are now starting to are moving in that direction big time as well. So it's rice fibers really you know it's it's for everyone and it's we worked really hard on the price point to make sure that it's doable. Yes, it's a bit pricey, but it is affordable. I didn't want the product that was just for the for the elite. I wanted it for the girls and the boys and the kids and the adults that just love their horses and might not necessarily be able to replace them the horse might be 20 or it might be four and it gives everyone the opportunity to look after their own horse's legs to prevent getting into trouble further down the road now how does it work so it has a, it's a another thing i was very conscious about was it had to be easy to use because we all know our things are hard to use we don't do them and the other thing is that so many creations that come into our industry it, it's they're not safe for the horses. You have to hold them. You're worried about them getting a fright. They might pull a lead. They have too many cables. You know, it's got, especially working with thoroughbreds, it had to be very practical. So it's a very simple neoprene boot, no different to a um, an exercise boot. It has a massage panel in it with a lithium-ion battery, which is a rechargeable battery, similar to what you have in your mobile phone. And with that goes a cold pack that comes out of the freezer. So you take your cold pack out of the freezer, you wrap it onto the horse's leg, and then you put the boot over the top and turn it on. And what this does then is it creates this cold circulation. And it 
doesn't let the legs get too cold because you're still stimulating that movement. So you are cooling, but you're stimulating the lymph system to help move out inflammation, and more importantly, you're moving the tissues through the, through the massage to help stimulate them to repair. So they turn themselves off in 20 minutes. The horses enjoy them. You can use them without the cold packs, which, you know, you get the diehards who say, no, I never use them with cold. I always just use them as a warm-up for a massage. So they're getting a treatment. You're preparing the legs for exercise. Um, and it's a, it's, you can be used either way, which is a, a good tool to have around, you know. So I like the idea that they turn off after 20 minutes, too, because then you can you could really go do other things while, while, while that's working. And you're not going to have to worry about, you know, getting caught up in other things and letting it on for an hour. Um, well, and speaking of absolutely. that, um, Go ahead, yeah, Mark. speaking of that, I worked in raining barns for years, and that was one of the things we were always really big on is proper cool down and icing down those legs. And there are a few systems on the market that the price point wasn't very good. You had to be a multi-million dollar facility to really be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. We had to keep horses in stocks because there were cables and, and this really expensive piece of machinery. And even then, with me standing there with a horse in stocks, Things that just it would come apart. The horses would pull on the cables, or they'd you know they'd uh, be too nervous to stand in stocks because uh, you know that's that's pretty nerve wracking for a young horse. And and so I'm looking at this, and this just looks obscene. This would have made my job. I would have gone in so much earlier at night <laughs> if we had had one of these. <laughs> yeah, so much easier. Yeah. And yeah. it looks. I like the how it looks a lot safer than than what I've used in the past. Yeah, and, and obviously with us having from a thoroughbred background again, they're very highly strung. And, you know, I spent time with horses and ice bins as well, and they hated it. Not, I mean, all of us hate standing oh, in freezing cold ice. Well, we did a really interesting study. And trying to keep them in and knocking we, it over and, oh. Just yeah, <laughs> exactly. And and we did a study where we were using a thermal camera to see how long, and there was actually one of the equestrian colleges in, in the UK did the study as well. When you start icing horses' legs, if you then return them to the stall, those legs could stay at, my, at at five and six degrees or if you got them cold enough, you know, minus two for quite a long time. So really the only safe way to ice was then to give them a good walk after because they're standing and they couldn't reboot that circulation in those tendons. So as a rider, you might come in and go, oh, his legs are lovely and cool, but that's there's no repairing in freezing cold legs. So the thing about the ice was they're happy to wear them because their legs aren't freezing. You can't make them too cold. You can't do damage. You can't restrict circulation. And horses that are sore particularly absolutely love them because they're getting relief from that massage and that movement, which was really important to me being a horse lover, you know. My wife just uh, sent me a message and said her horse wants the hock boots, please. So it looks like we will be buying yeah. some. So <laughs> now, all right, so, so that brings up a good point. There are a couple of different models for different purposes. So explain that. Yeah, so we started with the, as I said, originally Ice Vibe was to allow riders once they've discovered that the horses had a had a tendon issue that you could then have something to stimulate and, and, and aid rehabilitation that you could create movement while they're standing in, stop their legs getting swollen. And then as they went back to exercise, you had something to put on after to cool them. You had something to warm up the tendon because obviously scar tissue isn't very elastic. Then they went into the normal repair wear and tear day-to-day use and then there was a huge demand for hock boots and knee boots so in about year three of ice being available we then went on and developed the hock and knee boot and that was quite a challenge too because anyone who works with horses knows there is nothing more annoying than putting on a hock and knee boot going to do something coming back and it's around their ankle Mm -hmm. so we put a lot of time into making sure that that they they stayed up and again the horses were comfortable and they and they couldn't hurt themselves in them and then off the back of that um, using the ice vibe without the cold packs, which you, we then went on to doing the actual massage rug, the sports vibe rug, which is based on the same technology without the cold. And that was our that was the last product we did then was the actual massage rug. And we're going to talk about more. Uh, I want to talk uh, talk about that more in the next time you come on because uh, I think that's its own. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, I saw that and I've played with it a bit, and I think that's kind of its own beast. And I want to I want to spend some time on that uh, on that by itself. You know what is so cool? We've been in 
my wife and I have been in the retail and and sports pro- or you know horse product industry for twenty years, and we've seen a lot of products come and go. And we you know twenty years ago there was not the innovation that there is now. There was a definite period of time in the nineties from like ninety five uh, for a period of time there that it. it well, actually, from the early 90s, that whole decade was kind of stagnant. There really wasn't the advances. And now we're seeing some tremendous advances. People are putting money into products like Horseware is and putting money into products that really are making, like like Mary said, the, the $10,000, what used to be $10,000 to accomplish the same thing, you're now making it affordable for everybody. And that is something that we've seen in the last 10 years that we had not seen 20 years before that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as far as uh, innovation goes, one of the nice things about the, the era we live in now is it's the, getting a product to the marketplace for someone like me is actually quite accessible. Now, 20 years ago, for me to be riding racehorses and doing stud work and to go come up with a product and design and develop it and bring it to market would have been fairly impossible, let's face it. It would have been impossible. But now, you know, companies are looking for new ideas. Um, they're easy to access. You know, you can email um I spent quite a bit of time sampling uh, the ice boots and developing it, and I, I sent Tom McGuinness, our, our CEO of, of Horseware, an email, and he was excited and, and on board and made it and invited me in, and the whole team invited me in, and they worked with me, and it's been good for everyone, and that is accessible to horse people, and I think it's really important that horse people design products for horses because there's no point companies thinking of products that might make you know a buck or... or Part, be part of their product range that if it doesn't solve a problem there's no need for it but horse people know the problems we need to solve and we need to they need to come up with ideas and they need to bring it to these companies so let's bring this to market and I think that is now achievable in this day and age and I think that's the difference Well where can people learn more about it? Um, on the Horseware website horseware.com it also has its own uh, website icevibe.com and if anyone has any particular questions uh, Louisa Williams at horseware.com and I will um, happily answer any emails or questions. So I spend my whole time doing further product development and looking after our customers and traveling, discussing the product and more than happy to speak to anyone and answer emails on questions anyone has um, about the product anytime. Are you going to be at Ada next month, by the way? Just a- uh, uh, not sure yet. Okay. I have to see that we have a lot of the, 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 the big events on here as well, so it's just sort of splitting well, the time. Well, if you are, we'll but, look forward um, to seeing maybe you in the there. New year. <laughs> we'll look forward to seeing you there Fantastic. if you're going to be there. It's horseware.com is where you can find it. Ice Vibe is the product, and it's at most tax shops and, and retail uh, online retailers here in the United States at this point, so you'll find it everywhere, and it looks like we'll be ordering some hawk boots today, so... Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks a lot. We appreciate you being on. No problem at all. Thanks for your time. Right, Bye-bye. Well, there you go, Mary. Uh, this show always costs us money. Oh, man. Yes, I was already kind of mentally, I was going over the website as, we were, as you guys were talking and looking at the products, and I was mentally ordering. Yes, um, well, you could, <laughs> too. You have, you, could, you have use for every one of their products. <laughs> you have so many animals. Yes. <laughs> I do. Um, well, and, and that's true. You know, the um, it's it's kind of in the performance horse world, it, as it's always been a big deal about um, getting, uh, taking care of their legs, especially cool down after a ride. And I have, being an assistant trainer, I have been subject to putting a billion products on horses from the super expensive multi-thousand dollar machine that broke every week, by the way. Um, <laughs> like a copier. To yeah. Yeah, yeah, to we had this thing that looked like a giant horse um, muck boot that you just filled with ice. And yes. I had to put that over the entire leg of a young reigning horse. And I had to sit there with them for 30 minutes because, um, you know, if they, if they moved and they scared themselves and they're tied up, it was you couldn't leave them alone. And so and I had to do this to, I don't know, 12 horses a day. So this product would have saved my butt, and I'm I'm really looking well, at it. Well, how many times uh, have we had to hose our horse's legs? And standing there for 20 minutes hosing your horse's I just go insane. Jennifer has to do that. Well, job. my water doesn't get cool enough at home. Um, oh, yeah, you so live in 100-degree really, Texas. So. <laughs> it's like tepid water. It's like room temperature. I'm like, well, I'm trying, buddy. <laughs> 
Well, terrific. And we appreciate them being a sponsor, horseware.com. Your guest is ready. Oh, wonderful. Okay, so we have with us Kyla Hogan, who is the marketing director for Mustang Heritage Foundation. And you're going to talk with us uh, about America's Mustang and uh, some of the wonderful things that you guys are doing to promote adoption. How are you, Kyla? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. And I I hope that you guys can hear me okay, because like, like you said, I'm here at the Celebration Expo this weekend. So I'm trying to find a quiet place. Yeah, we're probably within 20 feet of each other, <laughs> um, but I thought about that. <laughs> yeah, finding the wife, I had a great Wi-Fi connection and it dropped off at the last second. So we're both calling in on cell phones on the same place, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um so a lot of people know about the Mustang makeovers, and I send so many people to YouTube to see what these people are able to do with these Mustangs in four months, and, and we've got one of those going on this weekend. But you guys are starting to build new programs and do other things outside of just the makeovers to facilitate adoption. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what exactly America's Mustang is, is uh, doing with these expos? Yes, uh, the America's Mustang campaign was started last year by the foundation in partnership with the Bureau of Land Management as an extra effort to raise awareness and educate, um, and I don't want to generalize anybody, but the American public about these horses. Uh, as you guys are aware, the new numbers came out this spring, and there are approximately 67,000 American Mustangs and Burroughs currently roaming in the western states. Um, if you went out this morning, for example, in Sedalia, Missouri, where we are, and surveyed 10 people, um, I would say less than half are aware of that fact. And so it's really our goal as the foundation, like I said, in partnership with the BLM, to spark that first interest, to create that, um, that new idea in someone about these horses, for them to learn more uh, for them to learn also about the rangelands that support these horses and to learn that those rangelands not only support those horses, but they support many other species. Um, they serve as many other forms of resources. And so basically this is to spark that first interest, to get them into that entry-level uh, education point. And hopefully it will, after being here and seeing these horses, meeting these horses, and like you said, Seeing what they can accomplish and what they can do, we hope that they'll jump in uh, the group and continue their support of these horses after this event. So that's that's our main goal with this. Um, and we're happy to have you here this weekend because you've done a lot for these horses and, and a lot for our organization. And um, I think you're a great advocate for them. And, and our whole goal is to get everyone on board for America's Mustangs. Oh, well, wonderful. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to be here. It's going to be really fun. And, and, you know, I, uh, as a horse person and as someone who's done a lot of the Mustang makeovers, I sort of forgot that maybe not everybody knows about, uh, the Mustang and what their plight is. And then I did the, um, I went out with the Mustang to Earth Day, Texas over in Dallas, um, which was, a huge event. Um, thousands of people came through. I can't remember what the numbers were, but it was, you know, it was hundreds of thousands of people walking through, um, all from the Dallas area. And I met very, very few, um, people who owned horses. And so that was a real eye opener because a lot of people didn't know what a Mustang was. Uh, they didn't know that there were still Mustangs out in the wild. They, uh, for sure didn't know that there's Mustangs in holding. They didn't know you could adopt a Mustang, um, and so, and they were also very surprised. My Mustang was on the street, surrounded by inflatable animals, um, standing quietly in his panels. And they was they were like, he was wild. And I said, yeah, you know, he came out of Nevada and he was in the mountains there, and he was rounded up a few years ago. And and they didn't know that. Oh, they can actually be tamed. And so. That was a real eye-opener, and I was answering um, questions that I hadn't answered in a long time, such as, I'd say the number one question I got was, is he a boy or a girl? That was that was what people wanted to know of everything this horse <laughs> yeah. was, you know. The, all the cool story this horse had, they're like, is he a boy or a girl? That was the big one. <laughs> so I answered that. 
Um, so I very much appreciate uh, how uh, what kind of a big task it is to get um, more of the public involved. As far as adoption, um, I know people can adopt horses uh, actually this weekend at the makeover. Um, and you guys have a few other programs that you're doing to help uh, get horses adopted. Can you explain what a few of those are? We do. At this particular event, like you mentioned, we have approximately 27 mares, and we have a little bit of color at this event, uh, some grays, um, some different, which is not always the norm for us at our Extreme Mustang Makeover. So a really, really nice set of mares that are ages four to six that will be available for adoption. And then the Bureau of Land Management has brought in a really nice selection of untrained horses that are available as well all weekend. And they also brought five burrows. So that's kind of the first time, first place I head to the untrained pens because I really, I'm a burrow fan and I've got two of my own. So I like to check them out too. Um, but those are available. And we also were teaching people about ways they can get involved with these horses if they're not able to adopt, um, you know, help us spread the word. Help us um, teach other people about these horses. Like you said, uh, Byron and I, in all the places that we go, and last night, I'll give you an example, in Walmart in Sedalia, Missouri, I had my Extreme Mustang Makeover t-shirt on. It was about 1030 at night, and a gentleman stopped me, and he said, so you're with Extreme Mustang Makeover. I had no idea uh, about these horses. I saw the America's Mustang billboard on the highway and I went to the website and he said, I had no idea that there were wild horses. I had no idea that I could come and adopt one. And um, It really is, like you mentioned, with Extreme Mustang Makeover, we've proved what these horses can do, but we've taken a step back and we said, okay, we've done this, but we need to step back and start reaching um, different masses and letting letting them know about these horses. So that's our whole point this weekend and um, like you mentioned the other adoption programs that we have we're going to have uh, kind of a first touch demonstration that like you said people expect these horses to be um, uncontrollable unmanageable and we hope to break some of those barriers down this weekend as well um, and we've got people that are bringing horses they've had in training for a while um, Chewy Harigi will have an, a demo this afternoon with his horse, Majestic, that he trained in 2014 for an event. Um, we're also going to be showing Wild Horse Wild Ride for people that might not necessarily be what we call horsey, but they can enjoy um, the personal aspect of the event and what those people went through with the movie. So we're, we're trying to reach a lot of different audiences, and everyone loves horses, and when they hear the Mustang story, they um, their interest is really peaked, and and that's just trying. That's what we're trying to do this weekend. So now, and you have these uh, in different spots across the country too. I noticed. We do. This is the second one we've had this year. Our first was in Queen Creek, Arizona, and we'll be traveling to Lexington, Virginia, August twenty fifth through the twenty seventh for something uh, much like we're doing this weekend. So we hope to draw a good crowd. Um, the interest in the east for these horses is always fantastic. The first makeover we had in Massachusetts last year was standing room only. Uh, we ran out of seats. We ran out of everything, sold tickets out. They're so excited in the Northeast. I got to tell you, our, I just saw yesterday on our listener page on Facebook, they're planning listener meetups. Uh, listeners to the show here are planning meetups at the Massachusetts one. So, oh, good. yeah. And, you know, I, a regular co-host here on the show, Jamie, has adopted two now out of the prison program there in Nevada. Or I bought two, actually, at, at the auction at the prison program in Nevada. And, uh, you know, she just loves she's competing her her one she just got. She just took him to his first horse trials, his first uh, event. So uh, we see him doing so many different things. And then Elisa Wallace, of course, has helped uh, a lot to get the awareness out there about the Mustangs. So, yes. I think Elisa's done an amazing job, and she's reached a new audience for us that, that we're really grateful for um, through her travels. So it, it's been amazing this year. Yeah, you know, I, I think that 
more than you know being around this for 30 years i think that the i just the general knowledge and the words getting out there and and prison programs have been helping too i think get the word out there because there's always articles about them they the mainstream press seems to like to write about that so it i i just think there's more awareness now than ever do you agree with that yes we're we're really trying um and there's so many great platforms that, like you said, the prison programs get a lot of attention. Um, we've had horses. Well, last weekend we had uh, a recent Extreme Muslim Makeover graduate that was trained by Marsha Hartford Sapp go through the Pony Club um, finals. And so there's horse. There's more and more stories um, coming up like that all the time. The foundation since 2007, we've placed over 7,000 horses, um, and this is the 10th year of the Extreme Mustang Makeover. So we're trying to follow up with as many of those horses as we can because they have gone on to be successful. Uh, there's a horse here competing this weekend in our open show that was actually a youth Mustang in Tennessee uh, five or six years ago. He's now seven. She's brought him here, and she told me that she won her first NRHA show on him a couple of weeks ago. She was telling Byron. So... Um, they're out there and they're being shown and they're being competitive and we're just we're trying to capitalize on those stories and and spread the word as much as we can. Very cool. It's americasmustang.com. It's where you can go to find more information. I was reading all of it today. Of course, there's been some good documentaries out here in the last couple of years that have helped to get the word out, too. But I was reading the website. It's very well done. So americasmustang.com is where you can go to check that out. But, Kyla, before we let you go, I heard you say you have two burrows. And, of course, yeah. Mary has long ears, too. And we we answer listener questions on this episode every month. And and I thought I'd ask you and Mary both this listener question we had because it was from Denise, and she said, "And I know she has a uh, she has a bad donkey." Um, D- Denise asked, "How do I get a donkey to do anything?" Uh, in capital letters with question marks. So I'll throw that open to both of you. I'll let Kyla go first. Mary, would you like? To- <laughs> How did I know I you'd both go? The- you okay. do it. You do it. You're the expert. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so um, let me tell you, oh, and first of all, um, I'm going to have to hide my mother, who's here with me this weekend, from the burrows, because she wants a BLM burrow so bad she can't see straight, and we have spots in the trailer, so you guys um, I'm don't, just going to keep her locked in the trailer. You guys can't even count the animals you have now. There are so many. So. I know. I know. Yeah. We've got, but what's one more? What's one more? But, um <laughs> So let me tell you something about donkeys and long ears. Um, if you feel pretty confident in your horse training abilities and you want to expand your education, get yourself a mule because I think that's graduate work for horse trainers. <laughs> and then you feel pretty good about mules. You feel like you're, you're pretty hot stuff and you can get mules to do stuff. Then go and get yourself a donkey. And um, there's an adage that a few people have said, I know Pat Perley for one has said it, and I think it may have come from Ray Hunter, Tom Doran, but they'll say a, um, the way that you should train a horse is the way you must train a mule. And I would say even more so with a donkey. And the reason that donkeys are quote unquote stubborn, um, I don't think they're stubborn. I think they've outsmarted their person is they don't have as nearly the flight instinct that a horse does. They don't have the stamina. They can't run a million miles away at the first sign of danger and then think about it later. They have to conserve their energy. So something happens um, in front of them. They really have to think, is this a, is this a mountain lion or is it a plastic bag? Um, so they're very thoughtful animals. Um, they're very careful with their energy. They're very careful with themselves. They have a very high sense of self-preservation. So to get working with the donkey, you have to try really hard to convince them you have their best interest at heart. And my biggest training tip on donkeys is do not resort to escalating pressure. Um, it works with horses most of the time. It'll even work with a mule. Might get away with it with the donkey for about a second. And by escalating pressure, I mean I'm trying to get my donkey in the trailer. Um, so... I wave the rope and he doesn't do anything. So then I go get the flag and I'm flapping him with the flag and nothing happens. So then I go get a stick. And so then, you know, it's just, it's like an arms race. You keep getting bigger and bigger. The donkey will, their instinct, if they can't flee, 
um, is to shut down and just, you know, just take it. Um, and sometimes there'll even be a little bit of fight to them. And I have seen donkeys take an immense amount of pressure from people who didn't know what they were doing and they'll just shut down. You won't win that way. And so just tons of patience. Um, you are going to change your ideas a lot. So something that might have worked with a million different horses, you try it with a donkey, you're going to have to backtrack and say, okay, this isn't working. What else can I do? You're going to be very creative in your training. And then you're also going to learn to take what little they give you in the beginning and make a huge deal out of it and reward big time, give them breaks. So I say, be patient, short training sessions, don't escalate pressure. Would you agree with that, Kyla? I would say, and my, it's funny because um, my relationship with my borough, Maria, she is more of a, I don't want to call it a pet relationship, but I have my horses that I'm pretty passionate about and I like to ride, I like to show and do things. And then I have Maria, who I really, really love, but our my relationship with her is more like um, my relationship with, I don't want to say my dog because she's not a dog, but it's more... Uh, of she's my outlet to hang out and relax. And like Mary said, she, she reacts completely different um, than anything I've ever been around. And I don't get to work with her much because she's in, at our place in Oklahoma. But she, like Mary said, the first couple of times we handled her right when we brought her home from the adoption, um, she's very, she's one of the more sensitive burrows that I've been around. She's, um, I don't want to say flighty because their reactions are less, but she, she's very sensitive, but I, I just had to give her time to think through the situation. And once she relaxed and, and figured out that everything was fine and that um, she was going to be fine, she was completely receptive. And really she's probably more willing. Um, we have an older donkey that we've had for a long time that was given to us because he had had some issues, unfortunately with his first owner. But she is so intelligent and so willing. Um, As long as you give her time to assess the situation, she's been perfect. So I'm I'm really intrigued by her, even though our relationship's more of um, selfishly. It's fun for me, and uh, and I like just being around her. And because they're so much different than a horse, it's it's funny. And she's from Cal. She was gathered from California, and um, I'm partial because she's mine. But she's just gorgeous. She's really feminine in the face and I'll have to show Mary pictures while she's here, but <laughs> she's been one of my favorite projects. And even though I don't get to see her a lot, she's just, she's, she's really nice and she's only three years old. So she's going to be a part of our family for a while. So All right. I'm excited about her. So <laughs> let me ask you another question. Oh, Jennifer, go ahead. I have a question now for Mary. Oh, um, yes. So we have to be careful to not escalate the pressure with our donkey. So let's go back to that uh, scenario that you set up. We're going to try to get our donkey to go into a horse trailer mm-hmm. and um, slight pressure does not convince that donkey that he needs to move one step closer to being into that horse trailer. So what is our better option? If we can't increase the pressure, we need to go back a step to a previous skill that he obviously has not yet mastered. Is that, is that the alternative? Um, let's say I am at, say, an event, and I have to get my donkey on the trailer to go home. So he has to get on the trailer. We ha- it just has to happen. So I don't have time, at, you know, like I would at home to really take the time to train it. And if it didn't work that day, we could try again tomorrow. Um, so if you're in that situation, which I have been in, um, what I would do is um, you don't have to take the pressure away, but don't get into escalating. Um, you, I can see, I can see it in their eyes when they're just like, "Nope, you, this is too much. I have to go inside my little donkey mind and just stay there because that's my defense mechanism." So, um, and I actually had this with, happen with a mule once. Um, I had a friend who I who'd put some rides on a young mule I had. She was great to load, great to handle. And for some reason, in the middle, you know, I was there late at night in the dark, and I go to load her to take her home. She's not getting on. And I spent a few minutes just trying to kind of increase the pressure a little bit, like, hey, come on, get on the trailer. And when I saw that she was going to shut down like a, like a lot of donkeys will, 
Um, what I did, um, and this is very redneck is I just took a very long line I had and I did the, the very cowboy thing of, I put it through the window of the trailer and I just wrapped it around her butt and I just sat there and I sat there for 15 minutes. Um, you know, I kept a little bit of pressure on the rope behind her, but I didn't increase any pressure, didn't tap her, didn't do anything. And I just sat there and I waited with her and I acted like we have all day. If you don't load till next Tuesday, that's fine. After 15 minutes where she had the time to think about it, she sat down like a dog and then bounced right in the trailer and we were good to go. So, um, it was, it took a little time. Um, but I know from experience, if I had started pressuring her, I got all my buddies to put our arms behind her, try to push her in the trailer, this, that, and the other, it would not have happened. Donkeys and mules, they're such incredible animals. They're so smart. They're very careful about not giving themselves in a bad situation, which means they know how to outthink us in a lot of areas to, to make sure they stay safe. So with a donkey, you can just stay in there with a little bit of pressure, just kind of tap, 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 and just wait on them. And if they give you any inkling that they're going to try, huge reward, big relief, love on them, and pretend like you have all dang day. Because if you act like you only have five minutes to get them on the trailer, it will take all day. If they're small enough, just get some burly men and lift them in the trailer. So it's like dealing with a three-year-old child. It's the same thing. But as a dog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they are, you know, we talk about, we talk about their stubbornness and all that. And I, like I said, it's not that they're stubborn. They just really need the time to think. They need to protect themselves. They're very smart, but they're wonderful, wonderful animals. Um, they want to be with people. They're very friendly. Um, they're very, they're like some breeds of small dogs in that they find their person and that's their person and they'll bond really hardcore with you. Well, Kyla, it sounds like you've got one of those, too. So we wish you the best this weekend at the show there. And thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thank you for all the work that the Mustang Heritage Foundation has done over the years to find homes for these, uh, for these, for these great horses. We appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And for those that can't attend this weekend, we are live streaming from americasmustang.com just go to the Sedalia event page. So oh, cool. we'd love to include you um, however we can. So we can watch Mary this weekend or is it the, is it the yes. competition? Are you streaming everything? Um, it's mainly the educational pieces oh. that will be live streamed. Oh, so. so we can watch Mary. Good. Cool. Very good. Well, thank you so thank much, you. Kyla. Bye-bye. Thanks. So we can watch at home. Well, and I'm not sure I'll have to confirm. I'm not sure if my demo will be live streamed, but there's going to be some seminars um, that uh, other people are uh, giving some talks. I know for for sure those are going to be uh, streamed, and I will have a look. But, yes, you can go to America's Mustang um, and check those out. Um, if they do live stream the, uh, the main demos, there's going to be me, um, Chewy, uh, who, uh, if you guys have seen the horse, the movie Wild Horse, Wild Ride, he was my favorite storyline of all the people they followed. Um, he was the, the guy, his horse, he did the rope tricks on his horse and his horse ended up going to SMU, which is the college down in Texas. And he's the Mustang that runs around on the football field every time they score a touchdown. He's going to be here. Richard Winters is doing a first touch demonstration. Um, Justin Dunn, uh, who uses his Mustangs to help uh, children with cancer, uh, have oh, a really cool. good experience outside the hospital. Yeah, it's going to be a really great weekend. Well, terrific. That's uh, that's super. And of course, americasmustang.com is where you can find more information about that. Do you have time? I know we have to cut the show a, a, a little early today because you are at the at the event and have to get started. Do you have time for another listener question? I do. We'll do I one do. More. I'll let you pick one. Uh, yeah, um, have- <laughs> uh, there's a couple here that are pretty good. So, uh, Rosie uh, posted a video on our auditor page about uh, of her getting dumped last week. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, do you remember seeing that one where the horse took off? Uh, wh- she asked, yes. what is the best way to teach brakes under saddle and on the ground? So, she's, she's um, wanting to know if your horse doesn't have good brakes, how do we increase, uh, increase the braking uh, with the horse? 
Well, the first thing I do, um, I work a lot on one rain stops um, in the very beginning because on a young unbroke horse, uh, they're not going to understand what pulling back means. And if you pull straight back, it's a lot of pressure for a horse that doesn't understand. Um, and their natural inclination is to pull forward, to pull, to go against that pressure. And, and I saw in the video, the horse was dragging an object, and I think the rope touched him on the butt, and he was just surprised by it. And, and of we've course, seen that at Road to the Horse, too, by the way. <laughs> that same scenario. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you've only got one hand on the reins, your natural inclination is going to be to pull back. And, of course, the, pull, the horse goes right through the pressure, and it just doesn't end well. Um, so the one rein stop is the first thing I do, um, which is tipping the horse's nose sideways. And for me, it also means that I want my horse to step their hind, to yield their hindquarters if I bring your nose around. Now, um, here's the mistake everyone makes. They do the one rein stop two or three times, and they think, oh, my horse knows it. And then when they're in a situation, two things happen. The person is not used to practicing one rein stops. So they forget about it till they're about six bucks into the scenario, um, which is too late. <laughs> too late. Try it then. <laughs> you might still make it out okay. It's too late. Uh, it, once your horses hit 70 miles an hour, it's also going to be much harder to wind them down. Um, and the horse is also not used to practicing it. So he's naturally not going to go into that one rein stop as easily as we need him to. So there's you cannot practice it enough. Um, which is tipping your horse's nose around, asking him to yield his hindquarters. By yielding his hindquarters, the horse can still move. So if you've got a horse who's frightened and he says, I need to move my feet because I'm scared, you're allowing him to do that. It's like you're not trying to make him stop completely if he's that upset. You're allowing him to still move his feet, but it's in a manner that's controlled. If his hind feet are crossing over, he can't physically bolt, buck, rear, uh, all those things that drop us in the dirt. Um but he still feels like I, he ha, he's able to move his feet. So it helps him calm down. It helps him, us get control of the situation. Um, so I work on that a lot, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times. Um, now, how do I translate it to, okay, I've got one hand on the reins. I'm in a show and my horse spooks and I need brakes. I cannot take his nose around with one hand. I've done it, but sometimes it's pretty hard. <laughs> um so what I start doing after I've done 100 billion jillion one rein stops, um, usually like the first two weeks of riding, what I start doing when I'm working on those one rein stops, instead of just simply grabbing his nose and tipping it around, uh, if I'm practicing and we're in a safe situation, I'm not having to use it in an emergency, what I'll start doing is as I'm trotting or loping the horse around or walking the horse around, about two seconds before I pick up, I'm going to sit down, let all the air out of my body and relax. And I'm just going to get real deep and relaxed in the saddle. And then I'll count to about, you know, two seconds. Then I'll tip his nose around. And I'll make a habit of that. Sit down, down, down. Relax, relax, relax. Tip his nose. Sit down, tip his nose. Sit down, tip his nose. After a while, the horse is going to realize when I sit down and I relax and I let all the air out of my body, I stop riding the horse. Oh, we're getting ready to do that bendy thing we do. So he's naturally going to start slowing down. So I teach my horse as soon as I can to start reading my seat. If I sit down and relax, all the air is going out of my body. I'm not moving with the horse anymore. I'm just, you know, really deep and relaxed in the saddle. Um, he knows that we're going to wind down to a stop. So he will start anticipating that. Um, so that's a big deal. Um, the next thing I do is I teach him how to stop on the fence. And this is when I start using the W word. Um, I say the W word because I don't throw around the wo word woe easily. I see a lot of folks that will be grooming their horse in cross ties and the horse is anting around and they're saying, whoa, 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 whoa. The horse is not really listening and they're just wearing out that word. If I say that word, the W word, that means stop. Stop everything. If it's a reigning horse, it means get your butt in the ground and dig deep and stop. Um, so I don't waste that word any other uh, any other place. Um, so what I do is I'll trot my horse around on a loose rein. Uh, if I have a nice, tall, solid fence, I'll, uh, I'll kind of trot them along the fence a little bit. I'm going to sit down, relax, and I'm going to say, whoa. And if they don't 
stop, then I'm just going to just very lightly turn them into the fence and go the other way. Pick up a trot, go off again. Trot, 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 sit down, say, whoa. If they don't stop, then I turn them into the fence and go the other way. And you do that enough, and I'll do this at the trot and canter. You do that enough, pretty soon when I sit down, the horse says, oh, we're going to turn into the fence. Now in, the, now, in order to turn into the fence, what does he have to do to make that turn successful? Well, he has to sit down. He has to lift his shoulders so he's freed up enough in the front end to go the other way. So this is actually going to be a pretty nice, this is the start of my balanced stop. And in the case of Rainers, this is actually the start of my sliding stop. I, I do this enough, my horses will actually start to slide. Um so once I get it going pretty well on the fence, um, usually it takes one session after, you know, 15, 20 minutes of sit down, say, whoa, turn the other way, sit down, say, whoa, turn the other way. One time that I do it, I'll sit down, say, whoa, and my horse will anticipate the turn and they're going to sit down, get their shoulder ready to make the turn. And in that case, I don't finish the turn. I just stop them on the fence. I love all over them. I may even get off that day, loosen the girth. Perfect. You can't do any better than you just did. Let's let's finish off for the day. Um, so that's how I start building that stop. And only really after I've done all that will I start working on stopping with two reins. But I have four cues that mean stop on my horses. I have four ways to get my horses to stop. I practice them individually. Then I put them all together. One is the reins. The other is my voice. Then there's my seat. And finally, my legs. If I take my legs off my horse's sides, they should also stop. Uh, this is a reining horse um, practice. As I learned this doing reiners, but it's good for any horse. So that when I'm in the show pen or if I'm in a situation that I need my horse to stop, I have four different ways to get my horse to stop. And how I put it all together is I'm loping around. I sit, I sit down, I say, whoa, I take my legs off. My reins at that point are only backup. It's only to help the horse find his way to the stop and get soft. I should not have to really be pulling on those reins with any force whatsoever. And I practice this so much that my horses crave it. I let them, I let them rest big time after a stop. I let them sit there. I might even get off of them. So my reiners are running around, even if they're at high speed, thinking, when can we stop? When can we stop? That's my favorite thing. And then if I do end up in an emergency situation, they crave that stop so much. And they know that's a good and wonderful place to be that even if my horse is scared and I put that stop on them, I say, whoa, sit down, pick up the reins, take off my legs, all of that. They're like, oh, thank goodness. I was hoping you would ask me to do this rather than you know, what usually happens is I don't want to stop. I'm too scared. Okay. So we uh, will do one quick follow-up here and then I'll let you go. Uh, Rosie's okay. actually listening and said, thank you very much. Cause she said, arena sand tastes awful. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, uh, for the one rain stop, should I be afraid of flipping over? Well, you're already coming off at, this point, at that point, Rosie. Yeah, <laughs> not if you've practiced it. If you don't practice it, and then you wait till your horse is flat out bolting, then I'm a little. I'm now to be clear. I've never, ever, ever had a horse fall over or flip over with me doing a one rein stop. But if I have not practiced it at all, and I tip his nose around, especially if I've waited till he's in full blown spook and bolt mode. Yes, they can lose their balance and go down. So I practice this a million times at the walk, then a million times at the trot, and a million times at the canter. And if I have a horse that I'm, uh, and because I've practiced it a hundred million times and my horse has practiced it a hundred million times, I am vigilant about, I've, I've become so good at knowing when my horse is thinking about something bad, I, c I can tell about five seconds before my horse is like, I'm going to bolt. I'm going to bolt. I'm going to bolt. I'm going to bolt. And what I do is I bend them around and say, no, you're not. You're okay. And then, you know, I let them go again and they might go relax for another five seconds. And then I can feel them thinking, I'm going to bolt. I'm going to bolt. I'm going to bolt. I'm going to bolt. So I bend them around and say, no, you're not. You're okay. Um, if you haven't practiced this enough, what happens is you don't, you don't know how to read it early enough. And then when your horse starts going, now you're both scared and you physically cannot move your arms to stop them quick enough. So the key is not to wait until you're in dead out gallop mode. You can still get it done, but it's better to be on top of it. So on those young horses with new experience, 
I, I give him a loose rein. I act perfectly relaxed. I give him every chance in the world to be a good broke horse. But I'm also, I'm, my head is on a swivel. I'm looking around everywhere. I'm looking at his, I'm looking at his ears. I'm looking at my surroundings. I'm looking at his body and I'm feeling him with my feet, um, to feel what he, well, you know, what he's feeling. And if I even smell that he is going to, um, that he's going to do something, I just simply bend him around, get him back with me, and then we go off again. Well, Mary, thank you so much for that. Appreciate it. And I know Rosie does, too. She's been typing me notes, thanking me, and saying she's going to go practice that today. Uh, so, oh, good deal. So there you go. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, and Jennifer's typing fantastic. So, Jennifer, did you have anything to add to that? Or I know. Uh, not a thing. That was fantastic. Yeah, and I've seen you do the. <laughs> I've seen her on her off the track thoroughbreds do the one rain stop before an emergency situation. So I've seen oh, that work. Best, best tool I ever learned how to use properly. Yeah, that's you can do the it wrong. Other thing. I'm glad you explained exactly yeah. how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. The there are some there are some good YouTube videos from. I'd go to a reputable trainer to, if you're going to do that uh, on how to learn to do this because it can be done wrong too. So. Um, yeah. And then you'll end up in a world of hurt even more than you were in the first place. Uh, well, have a great time at this show, and we're looking forward to uh, hearing all about it the next time you're on. Mary's here. Uh, she's with us every month on the second Thursday of every month, so we really appreciate you stopping by. If you've missed some of Mary's past episodes, just go to horsesinthemorning.com, search for Mary Kitzmiller, and all of her past episodes are there. She's probably given us 100 training tips over the, what, years now? been a while since know, you've been doing right? this. <laughs> so right. uh, she's given us a ton of different tips. And of course, you can find all of Mary's tips also over on Horse Tip Daily. Jennifer cuts them out and puts them over there. So if you search for Mary Kitzmiller over there, you'll find a whole bunch of different tips over there as well. Mary can be found at what website? MaryKitzmiller.com. Simple, easy. She has cool stuff for sale there unless her mom sells it all this weekend. Is she selling? Is she selling this weekend, your mom? Oh, no, we don't have a booth this weekend. Okay. So, um, yeah, it wasn't quite enough room, but... All right, but this, so she'll be there. All of this stuff will still be on the website. You can buy it. They'll ship it to you when they get home. Thank you very much, Mary. We appreciate you. And it is really bad ads day tomorrow, so get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. We've got a couple voicemail ads or a couple voice ads so far, people reading their own ads and sending them along. You can do that as well. Just record it on your phone on the phone recorder and send it to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. See you, everybody. See you tomorrow morning. Bye, Mary. Bye.